need for arduous seeking. All you have to do is follow the clues. You start to see this as a simulation, as a type of computerized AI manufactured reality. We are playing like putty into the hands of the manipulators who are just setting us at war with each other. Carlwood, and given the many layers of propaganda, manipulation, and flat-out mind control in use today, if you go back through the ages and various empires, it's almost impossible to unravel the truth of something when we know these so-called leaders have never been honest. And when you look at the history of the last few thousand years, it's largely a story of the three Abrahamic religions waging war, fighting for territory, and aggressively trying to capture as many minds as possible, oddly working from source material that is pretty much the same. For Earth's most holy scriptures, there has certainly been a lot of death and destruction in their wake, and anyone should be skeptical of holy roller extremists of any kind, as they all seem very content to crush the infidels, subjugate the goyim, and condemn the unbaptized non-believers to eternal hellfire. The hateful mental gymnastics that come from the religious faithful seem like Exhibit A for the case that mind control is nothing new, and religious leaders are just as obsessed with control and authoritarianism as any others. Well, today's guest Adam Green of No More News has been making this his focus for many years, dissecting what the holy books say, comparing the rewrites, exploring their purpose for being written, and pointing out how they have been used against people for much of the human story even today. It seems pretty clear that the elite still put energy into making ancient prophecy manifest in modern times, so it's good to get familiar with their working models and see where the story is likely to be steered, so let's do the damn thing. The No More News newscaster, Abrahamic conspiracy revealer, and theological subversion exposer, Adam Green, welcome to the higher side. Thank you so much, Greg. That was the best introduction I think has ever been given and I'll ever get, so ah. I appreciate that. Love, uh, excellent analysis on the whole situation. I can tell you already get it. <laughs> right on, man. Kind of you to say. And I'm psyched for this. This interview came together from several requests to have you on. And I tend to feel like I can talk to anyone and hear them out on their perspective. Even though the Bible took up so much of my youth, I'd rather just put it all behind me. But there's no doubt religious motivations are still a huge factor on the big chessboard, sadly. And you also have some unique takes that I don't hear all that often. And to get the ball rolling here, Help the people get a sense of your central theme when it comes to the origins of Christianity and why it's important context for where we are today and where we might be going. Perfect way to start. And I also was raised in a religious family that was very Christian. And, you know, a lot of conspiracies are talked about on this show and on the Internet. And I consider this the greatest 
conspiracy of all time. This is, mm. it's ubiquitous in our culture. And the Abrahamic God, the God of the Torah, the God of Israel has really dominated the last 2000 years more than any other thing. You can see, you know, people everywhere wearing crosses or churches on every corner all throughout the West. And it really is the theological conquest of this tribal God of Israel. And Yahweh in the Bible is a jealous God. And his main objective is to stamp out all, quote, idol worship and worship of other gods because he's jealous and get all of the nations, all of the Gentiles to worship and fear and have obedience to him. And that is the goal of his chosen people to be the light unto the nations and to basically convert the nations to worship of Yahweh. That's the whole goal of the Bible in the most simple terms. Hmm. And through Christianity and Islam, they accomplished this. The goal was to have all of the non-Jewish world worship the God of Israel, and they did that with Christianity and Islam. And now half the planet believe in this Abrahamic God. And even top rabbis brag about this. In the top sage, 12th century Maimonides, called the Ramban, he says very famously, and this has become the orthodox view of Christianity, that it is a God's plan. It is not an accident. It is God's divine plan to basically convert the nations to be Noahide compliant. That means they follow the seven laws of Noah. Maimonides says it's preparing the world for the messianic age by believing in the God of Israel and by following the commandments and considering the Torah and the Tanakh, the word of God. So I see it as the greatest conspiracy of all time. And essentially, messianic Judaism, Torah messianism was imposed through the Roman Empire that converted in the third century, imposed it on all of the Western world. And it was like setting up a theological controlled opposition. It goes back to the myth of the twins, Jacob and Esau. And I mean, I, you have a question or should I just keep going? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a hell of a setup. Obviously, you're touching on all kinds of things I had in my notes here. But this is kind of something I've thought about with Catholicism, the way I was raised. Like, if you look at what that church is doing, look at all the kid diddling stuff and you look at the eucharist ritual as a kind of cannibalism really if this is the blood and body of christ and we're all going up there to take our bite it's like kind of really dark when you're raised in it you don't think about it but it always started to make me think later like well god is sort of a generic term so what what god are we really worshiping here i don't know if i ever really heard a name back in the day but it sounds like there's a lot of dark stuff hidden beneath the standing, the kneeling, the sitting, the chanting. And so that's not a premise that's completely foreign to me, but do Muslims and Christians think that Yahweh is the head honcho of their religions? Yeah, the God of Abraham, exactly. And Jesus is even considered like a Messiah prophet figure in Islam as well. And like the New Testament is fake prophecy fulfillment. It's like Bible code fan fiction where they took prophecies and just verses completely out of context from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, and rewrote them into a new story where they're just quoting directly from the Old Testament and using that, the Old Testament verses from 
Isaiah and the Psalms and Zechariah, Daniel, Wisdom of Solomon, many books, picking up archetypes like Joseph in Genesis or Jonah or Isaac or Moses that they rewrote into this messianic figure. And it was really Paul and the Gospels that were targeting the Gentile world. Christianity was not designed and intended for Jews to believe. They were meant to reject it and not believe it. And the whole dialectic, it's so sadomasochistic how the history of not just the Catholic Church, not just doing all their scandals, but also the persecution of Jews throughout history. This blaming Jews for supposedly killing God and worshiping the devil or all these nonsense things, this has made them the eternal victims of the evil Christians. And history has been written where it's like the evil Catholic Church, and now they're repenting and they've given Jews this like unique, special suffering status, the, the victims of history, where now they're able to pass like hate speech laws and you get censored if you criticize them because of these things. It was almost like a trap and a setup in this like evil, diabolical Hegelian dialectic. And that's how I see history playing out. It's like the battle between the Jews and the Christians or the Christians and the Muslims. And all of this stems, like you said, from the same books. And it's just like this full spectrum dominance going on. Christianity and Judaism both essentially want the same thing. I always say all Christians are Zionists. The term Zionist Christian doesn't make any sense because all Christians believe in the God that dwells in Zion and the prophecies and the biblical significance of the concept of Zion. So they're all Zionist and they want the same thing as the rabbis. They want the whole world to Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow to the Moshiach ben David, the Torah Messiah, who was meant all along to subjugate and conquer the Gentile nations. And that's what Jesus did. And now Christians believe that they're proud sheep, you know, in a flock following the king of the Jews. So I see basically a Jewish cult has taken over the world, largely through the dirty work of Christianity. And this gets into the whole metaphor of Christianity as Esau, the evil twin that hates Jacob, Judaism. But really, Christianity has just preserved and protected and ensured the survival of Judaism because they're God's children. They're elevated to a divine status. To believe in the new covenant, you have to believe in the old covenant. So you're corroborating their books and their gods and their stories. And this is what their agenda was all along. So I just see it as the greatest psyop in all of history. <laughs> yeah, it seems like uh, no small thing, but this whole chosen people thing this gets brought up a lot obviously uh the jewish conspiracy is a big piece of the general conspiracy culture pie but i just think that they all kind of have that i mean the christians think that the rapture is going to come and they're going to get to go to heaven while everybody who's unbaptized goes to eternal damnation the Muslims think that you kill the infidel, you get 72 virgins and all that. I mean, it's baked into all three religions. And I guess to me, I think of it as like some kind of puppet master outside of all three paradigms, mm -hmm. pitting people against each other, similar to like the left-right paradigm, when really we know at the top, there's really no division and they're really just more about getting us to fight with each other and controlling everything. But I guess I would ask, well, if Christianity was an invention of Jewish scholars, did they lose control of it? Because weren't most of the places that Jews were kicked out of, weren't they Christian? And didn't they, they kick them out as Christ killers? I know you kind of mentioned that as like the victim mentality thing going on, but 
it seems like they have faced a, a lot of problems for this mm-hmm. this invention of theirs, if, if that's the real paradigm. Absolutely, and excellent points. The one thing I would say, yes, Christianity and Islam both do think that they're going to win in the end, and they do believe in prophecies. I find it very convenient that the Christian end times prophecies align so closely with Judaism's end times prophecies, like the return of the Jews to the Holy Land, the rebirth of the state of Israel, the rebuilding of the third temple, the Antichrist or the Moshiach being declared in Jerusalem, Mark of the Beast, all these things need to happen. Even some Christians believe Christianity needs to be like destroyed in a way in the end times, and then only a few will come in through the narrow path. But I would ask, who originated these end times ideas, and who originated this theology, and who were the authors of it? And I would say that they're the ones that have the upper hand on who is going to essentially, quote-unquote, win in the end. But... As to your point on somebody's like higher above Judaism and is playing all like Judaism and the three Abrahamic religions off one another, I do kind of agree with what you said. I do think Judaism is, I call it a deception on the Jews too, and I think it's been awful for Jewish people throughout history. And the Bible that we have today, the Old Testament, was created in like 270 BC in Alexandria, Egypt, which had a huge Jewish population there, and the Alexandrian Jews, and where Philo was, they created the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of what they compiled of Old Testament Hebrew books, and they followed Plato's idea of a noble lie. So the idea that to have a civilization and a nation, you have to have like a mythos that everybody can kind of believe in and unite around, and like a fake foundational origin story also so that's kind of what they created for the jewish people so it is a noble it is a lie the vast majority of people take things in the bible literally when they were meant to be allegorical and only the people like the initiated ones at the top know like the true esoteric meanings of these things so i do consider it a deception and it's been terrible on jewish people as well it's been terrible because of christian anti-semitism which i completely condemn it's indefensible and completely depraved and unhinged to blame Jews for supposedly killing their Messiah. It's so nonsense that it has made Christians the villains throughout history, and it has been horrible for individual Jews that have suffered because of this. And I actually experienced this firsthand myself. I'm not Jewish at all, but Christians online are constantly attacking me, calling me an antichrist or a crypto Jew or a secret (laughs) Mossad agent because I don't want to worship the God of Israel, and I'm exposing it and trying to liberate them from what I see as a trap. But getting kicked out of countries or being persecuted, yes, they suffered because of it, and I condemn it, but the way the rabbis view this is this is fulfilling prophecy, and this is the way that God set things up so that they must be kept separate. Like, they're considered the nation of priests, the holy seed, and God says they must be kept separate. They're totally opposed of assimilation, so Christian anti-Semitism, you know, decreased assimilation. And they also consider, like, anti-Semitism being crucial to their existence. And they consider it Esau hates Jacob, so that it's like a law of nature, and it fulfills the prophecies that when they're in exile, they have to be punished and scorned so that they could atone and their souls can be refined and purified for the messianic age. It's like I said, it's sadistic, it's psychotic, it's ancient 
superstitious nonsense, but it has caused serious real world harm throughout the last 2000 years. But they see it as God's divine plan. Mm -hmm. It's sick. (laughs) Yeah, I I know you do face a lot of criticism for this. I've seen comments that are like, don't listen to Adam Greenstein, (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah, they call me Adam Greenberg. My green is English, Anglo-Saxon. I'm literally 6'4 with blonde hair and blue eyes. And never in my life until I started exposing the Judeo-Christian temple cult did people start accusing me of being Jewish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously thorny stuff. People tend to just, if they hear something they don't like or, or, you know, especially if they come from a religious background, they're like, well, he must be some kind of crypto Jew or like, I even think if I had a Jewish name, if everything about my history background path and show is exactly the same, but my name was, uh, you know, Carl Steen, Mm -hmm. I probably would have a lot more problems doing what I do. And I think that's kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, it really doesn't have anything to do with uh, the history of where Christianity came from. But, you know, I try to isolate the pockets of power, Mm -hmm. talk about who actually is involved by name. And I mean, that's just I think the best way to go about it. But there is this general Jewish skepticism in conspiracy. And I don't know if it's warranted or not. It seems like, uh, you know, maybe it's a gray area. Well, if you think about it, Christians are just like. Any criticism of Judaism, they'll try to dismiss you by calling you an anti-Semite as if it's bad for us to criticize evil things in the Bible or evil things in religion and that religion is above criticism. But Christians are literally taught that anybody that is opposed to Jesus, that is against Jesus, is like a demonic, satanic antichrist. So the Messiah in Judaism was meant all along to subjugate and conquer the nations, essentially. And now Christians are doing the work for the rabbis, spreading Torah Judaism and the the king of the Jews, Jesus, and imposing it on other nations by believing that if you're not for him, if you don't want to worship the God of Israel, you are a demon and you're antichrist and you are evil. Like this is the paradigm that a lot of people live with. These Christians that attack me online, they probably really do think that I'm like a demonic figure. And that's why it's caused so many issues. You know, when you think God is on your side or God chose you or anybody that doesn't, you know, worship this invisible figure that you believe in is considered evil and you're meant to wage holy war on them. Like, this is what the fruits of religion that has brought us. Well, and yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I agree with you. Like when you were saying this is all superstitious kind of bullshit, which is why I don't really give it a lot of attention or airtime. But I'm curious where you think this ancient manipulation coincides with modern day power structures. Because, you know, if we're talking about some of the the rabbis that you have in your compilation, sure, they say a lot of messed up stuff that Christians all need to die and Mm -hmm. the West needs to be dismantled and has to collapse for their Messiah to come. But you hear Muslims saying the same stupid shit about infidels. These rabbis, in my opinion, looking at their mic setup and their background, they just seem like YouTubers. They don't seem like they have any power, so I don't really put much thought into what they say. But talk to us about where these ideas that we've talked about thus far intersect with power today. Sure, yeah. A a lot of the Jewish group that I focus a lot on is Chabad Lubavitch. It really is like the most influential and powerful religious Jewish organization in the world. 
and you can't downplay the significance that the Abrahamic faith through Islam and Christianity have influenced the world. And there's a day every year in every state in America acknowledges the Rebbe of Chabad Lubavitch. He died in the 90s, but he was considered like the Pope of Judaism. And he had tremendous influence with leadership, the Likud, Netanyahu, Menachem Begin, Ariel Sharon, all the, the Kudnik prime ministers in Israel. Chabad has immense influence in Israel. Chabad teams up with ADL on a regular basis. And they share these core doctrines with these YouTubers that I show. And this is it's pervasive. It's not just like a fringe rabbi here or somebody in their closet recording over here. It's this is like the the orthodox view in a lot of ways of orthodox Judaism. Mm -hmm. And to go back to the Christians, like one of the things about the Christians attacking me is that they always say, oh, Adam, Adam hates Jesus, even though I don't believe he existed and I just see it as a deception. But they say he hates Jesus like the Jews hate Jesus. There's nothing the Jews hate more than Jesus. And this is only partially true. Like they consider Jesus like almost a satanic figure. He represents Esau. So in the Esau and Jacob dialectic, the evil twin, like the evil adversary Messiah. But they also see him as serving a ultimate good purpose of converting the Gentiles to worship of the God of Israel and believing in the Torah. So it's almost like a fake hate. They like the fact that they've convinced much of the world to be obedient and worship their Torah Messiah because that's what the goal of the Torah Messiah was all along. Mm -hmm. Something else I wanted to mention, I'm sure you've probably had guests on your show and you've seen people talking about the Khazarian conspiracy, right? Sure, sure. So I, I see the whole Khazarian thing as just like misinformation. It was promoted by a lot of Zionists, actually. I have the book, The 13th Tribe by Arthur Kessler. He worked for a, a militant Zionist named Jabotinsky, who Netanyahu's father also worked with. And they like to promote this idea because then it makes it like it's, you hear Christians say, oh, it's the fake Jews that's the problem. The fake Khazarians or the, the synagogue of Satan. They say they're Jews, but they're not, right? You always hear them saying these type of things. Right, lots of infighting. Right. All of that is just complete nonsense. To say that this is a Khazarian conspiracy, just pretending to be Jews, the whole Khazaria thing wasn't even until like a thousand years ago, whereas the Torah is 2,000 years ago. And the Torah and the Talmud both came before Khazaria ever even existed. And I think it's disproven genetically and linguistically. And the whole purpose of it was to like reduce anti-Semitism is the reason it was pushed. And you see this with like a lot of the QAnon people. They love to promote the idea that it's like, oh, it's the evil, satanic, Luciferian, Khazarian deep state verse. If Satan is the bad guy, then who is the good guy in your paradigm? If you're scared of Satan and Satanists, that means what Jesus and Yahweh and the God of Israel is good. So you're in the Abrahamic matrix if that's the kind of dichotomy that you're set up with. And Satan is like God's controlled opposition, essentially. God created him. He works for God. God doesn't destroy him. And in Judaism, they actually do believe Satan to actually work for God in this same capacity. Hmm. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about that because my understanding of Christianity is there's obviously many different sects that argue about very small details, Baptists, Presbyterians, all this kind of nonsense I grew up around. Well, 
you would think the same thing would be true of Judaism, that there's various sects that emphasize one part over another. And I would think that if Christianity was co-opted or really created out of whole cloth is what you're saying, I would think that the further you go back on something, the more it would be co-opted probably multiple times um, and more entangled because it's just the nature of power and filling power vacuums and infiltrating various things. Because yeah, the Kazarian thing is talked about a lot, but also David Icke talks about Sabbatean Frankists. And it's just like, these are Jewish sects, but I think like to- Right, they're all manifestations. Fair. Or at least Sabbatean Frankist is a manifestation of Judaism. Okay, but isn't it painting a little bit of too broad of a brush just to say Jews when maybe we do need to narrow down? Because that has been the thought that the Rothschilds were a family who adopted Judaism as a cover because they wanted to hide within a larger group of people to take the blame for their very specific crimes against humanity. Well, I wouldn't downplay the significance of the Rothschilds, but like the idea of being in banking like that originates with the torah it says thou shalt lend to many nations but thou shalt not borrow and thou shalt reign over many nations but they shall not reign over thee so that's true like you know kazarian sabatine frankis rothschilds like all of that i just see you know even freemasons all of this is like kind of under the judeo umbrella and i'm not blaming all jews I'm very clearly saying it's not all Jews. Many Jews are victims of this. They're deceived by this big lie, platonic, noble lie as well. I think it's only the people, maybe there's some type of secret society that wrote the books of the Torah or that, you know, the Alexandrian Jews that translated the Septuagint into the Hebrew books into Greek and that also they were the ones that came up with the New Testament and started the Gnostic Jewish pre-Christian mystery religions and that could be and then they maybe later evolved into like essenes and then kabbalist or something like that's kind of the idea of what i'm saying only the highest initiates would be the ones that are like in on this big deception mm -hmm. yeah that i agree with you on i definitely think that there is a internal and external expression of a lot of these faiths and i do believe the elite have some kind of secret religion uh, I think it's a bit weirder than any Abrahamic religion, probably. Guys like Chris Knowles do great breakdowns of things like the weird Goddard tunnel ceremony and even the stuff shoehorned into the World Cup marketing. And he considers a lot of it watcher worship, that they are kind of obsessed with the story of the fallen angels and the Nephilim, and they worship entities like Baal and Moloch and Mithras, like old Sumerian stuff. There's even a lot of weird... Saturnian symbolism that I'm sure you're aware of. And the watchers apparently are mentioned in the book of Daniel, which is the Old Testament, but the details are more book of Enoch, which isn't even really canon of anything. So that's why I think that maybe they're more book of Enoch types because they would keep the real stuff for themselves. But, you know, Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg was spending all kinds of money to dig up this Mithraic temple. Mithras is at Rockefeller Center. They say it's Prometheus, but Again, Chris Knowles has done this big breakdown that it's actually secretly Mithras, that there's this uh, worship of uh, the old Sumerian gods that they don't want to advertise. So they usually say it's something that it's not. But, you know, if you have the eyes to see or if you're initiated, you know what they're really worshiping. But that's uh, 
Iranian god of the sun, from my understanding, it's like Zoroastrianism or something. And we have Egyptian obelisks all over the place, Washington, D.C. and all that. So I just kind of think that wouldn't we see more Jewish symbolism if that was really the apex? It seems like the, the real apex is something that we don't even get told about. You know, we're the sullied masses. They don't even let us know about like the true religion behind the curtain, I would think. I'm not familiar of, um, with, would you say, Chris Knowles? Chris Knowles, yeah. Was. I haven't seen any of his work, but this kind of reminds me of like a little bit of kind of what David Icke says or Jordan Maxwell, kind of that there's like a secret cult that worships some other gods that came before the Abrahamic face and that they're just creating Christianity and Judaism and Islam as a front and a cover, but... I see it for what it is. I see that what do our leaders talk about all the time? Our Judeo-Christian faith. Like the most influential man in the last 2000 years has been Jesus. And it's very questionable whether he ever existed at all. You mentioned Mithras. I believe he's, you know, the God of Israel is based off an old Canaanite God from my understanding, El. And they stole these stories from Sumerians and from Babylonians and from Assyrians and the Egyptians and the Canaanites and even Greek myths, they, they, and they incorporated them all and reformulated them into a new thing. But I think that's just how religion evolves and you know, different factions rise up and down. And I think the faction that's in charge now is like when you look back, if, say a few thousand years from now in the history books, looking back at this time that we're living in, this would be seen as the Judeo era, in my opinion, hmm. not like. I don't even know what would you call it. Like, what is the religion? Oh, the Watchers, Enoch. Well, that's Judaism. Enoch is a Judaism book. Hmm. Anyway. It's just not canon in the, in the uh, King James Bible. I don't know exactly where its origin is, but I just think that, like, they edited out things that maybe reveal too much truth. And the story of Enoch is really the fallen angel's story. And it seems like if you look at a lot of award show ceremonies or what they're kind of showing in their symbolism is that, yeah, fallen angels come, they disobey God, they mate with human women, their offspring become the original pharaohs and the giants that used to apparently exist, and that that's why the elite are so obsessed with their bloodlines, because they're trying to preserve this fallen angel bloodline. I mean, that's the weird paradigm that I've gotten into. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't I don't know. Like, you know, you're throwing out all this stuff. It is very hard to unpack and everybody's saying oh well Yahweh is the true God well no it's Baal well no it's it's Mithras well no it's Moloch I mean I don't know it seems like they're sacrificing kids to some dark entity and that's really all I need to know I don't need to see its name tag you know sometimes I just am like we're getting real in the weeds here and uh, I don't know if anyone knows because it's so ancient since you mentioned Enoch Enoch talks about the birth of Melchizedek Melchizedek is like a heavenly high priest character in the Old Testament that is associated with Abraham. But in the Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was a book found written in Hebrew. It's dated to 100 BC, so 100 years before the supposed birth of Jesus. And it's written in Hebrew, and it's called the Melchizedek Scroll. And it has Melchizedek as like this messianic figure. And it relates verses from Daniel 9 and Isaiah 51 and 52 and different verses in the Psalms. 
And this is basically like a pre-Christian Christian book. And in Hebrews, in the New Testament, it associates Jesus with Melchizedek very clearly. So this is like proof that they were doing this type of midrash, Bible coding, fan fiction, trying to search this Old Testament scriptures, books like Enoch or books that we have in the Old Testament, searching them for like mysteries to be revealed by God, by like connecting different verses, disparate verses kind of out of context and formulating a new story on what redemption and what the end times and when the Messiah is going to come and stuff like this. So this document basically proves that this is the same way that Christianity was formulated by just connecting these different verses and then associating it with the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. Fair. I mean, I think fan fiction is the right term for it because there's just so many interpretations on top of interpretations and different books have different characters interacting in different ways. And it does just seem kind of silly. We only have, if we're lucky, a hundred years on this planet just to, go over this kind of stuff over and over again. I don't really see its relevancy. Um, I asked you about where it intersects with power, and you mentioned that group I wasn't super familiar with. Habad Lubavitch. There you go. And I want to know more where that intersects and comes in, because like right now, the things I'm worried about are the World Economic Forum. Uh, people might say uh, Freemasons uh, have a seat at the table. I mean, we had an election not long ago where two members were of the skull and bones. There is this nexus of Harvard, Princeton, Yale, where it seems like every politician under the sun comes from this network of lawyers from these very specific schools. Where does the Jewish hierarchy interact with all these other sectors of power that I think are kind of most relevant to the issues we have going on now? Well, you have Habad Lubavitch is like the old school Judaism. These are the top sages. These are who the politicians go and meet with and have to get the kosher approval. And they go in the White House and sign bills every year with the president. They're promoting the idea of Noahide laws, so Noahide congregations, converting Christians to kind of like leave Jesus behind and then play the role of Esau, serving Jacob as Noahides. Over in Israel, they're the growing population They've done demographic studies that they're going to be the majority in, I think, a few decades. They have lots of influence. You've probably heard about Israel recently with their most extreme religious Zionist cabinet ever with Netanyahu getting back into power. He's been associated in meeting with these top rabbis in Chabad Lubavitch for a long time. Even a lot of like this so-called secular Jewish billionaires, like the founder of WhatsApp, has given a billion dollars to a bunch of Chabad-associated groups. Like, early in the 90s, they were bringing in $100 million a year that we know about. They're international. They've got shlukum synagogues all over the world. They're very influential in Ukraine and in Russia also. Interesting. Hmm. Again, it's not just them, too, because, you know, under this theory, Christianity is basically just Judaism for the Gentiles. It's another version. So if we're talking about how much Christianity influences the West, which really is just getting the West to worship the God of Israel, it's everywhere. Christianity has influenced America. How many times have we heard about, like, the Judeo-Christian nation, our Judeo-Christian values, Israel, our greatest ally, there's APEC, there's John Hagee at Kufi. 
that's worshiping Israel. So many of our politicians going and bowing down to the wall in Israel and saying they're God's chosen, believing that they're God's chosen people. Like that's such an obvious con to convince the whole world that you're a nation of priests that's chosen by God is quite the con. I don't know of any greater con than that. Yes, I agree with you that that creates a superiority complex. There's a lot of uh, unsavory things about the Goyim and all that, but I just think every religion has it. Mm -hmm. Christianity, of course, if we're saying it was made by them, it also contains the same thing of if you're not baptized, you're going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. Muslims definitely think that it's okay to kill a non-Muslim because they're a sinner. It's just like every religion is is pious by its nature. And so I don't think that's a, a uniquely Jewish thing, but I think Israel is definitely worth criticizing. I don't like that we send $3 billion a year over there. I don't like, you know, a lot of the Mossad stuff is in bed with the CIA, you know, the Epstein stuff. It seems pretty clear that there's a blackmail organization going on. I don't think they're the only blackmail operation, but I think they've been very successful. I had a guest once, Jeremy Roth Cruchel, who I think is Jewish, talk about the Talpiot program. Yeah, I know him. Is... He, I'm friends with him. Oh, nice. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting that they have basically lended us and other nations the software to run their infrastructure, basically meaning they have a kill switch on our electrical and plumbing systems and a lot of the crucial infrastructure we rely on. And so that money better keep coming because we got a kill switch. I mean, that's a really fascinating thing that isn't talked about very often. But I just think there's all kinds of mafias out there and, and networks like I agree. We have the uh, a lot of politicians, you know, have dual citizenship. That's a, a sketchy thing we should be able to talk about. But there was also a story a few years ago about the large amount of Chinese agents throughout the government that were found all over the place. And you heard about that story for like a day and then it went away. And it's like, well, what the hell? I mean, what's going on with that? I would have thought that would have warranted a little more investigation. But then you also have the NBA with that dust up, bending the knee to China, as do a lot of American companies. Money is power. There's all these different groups trying to subvert each other and trying to reign supreme. But I don't know where the true power is on the apex pyramid. I think that kind of conspiracy culture, and I'm guilty of it, tends to reduce very complex history down to singular narratives. Like that's obviously Illuminati 101 is like, well, you don't need to know about history because here's the 13 bloodlines and they've ruled everything and that's the whole story. But then, you know, I'll have other guests talk about the triple crown control that a lot of it is uh, London, DC, and the British Royal Society, the British Royal Society basically gave us academia and uh, all of our sciences, which, you know, now I think most of the Western world is somewhat atheist and religion and faith has been replaced with science. And that's kind of the scariest thing on the table today, because medical science is a bit corrupt, as is climate science. So you take God away from the people, you give them science, you give them the white lab coat instead of the priest robe. And now you got a whole new segment of control. So I don't know. It's a tangled web, man. Well, I agree with your sentiment totally. Like, I know that there's other, you know, influential groups out there. And I'm not saying that the Torah is the be all and end all, or that it's a monolithic group, or that it's complete, absolute control on everything. But I mean, you know, it's a big enough topic to focus on the Torah and Christianity, like the success that it's had. It's, 
one of the most widespread, ubiquitous, you know, things in our culture, essentially. But I do agree with you that there's obviously other issues and other things that people could talk about. I've just, you know, maybe because I was raised Christian or because we live in such a, you know, the Christian nationalists and Trump stuff, Trump's the Messiah, the QAnon people, all these supposed prophets all over the internet, the Zionist lobby in America and, and all that stuff. This is just what I've chosen to focus on. But one point that you said about how it's like, yeah, Judaism is, has issues. It's, they want to rule the world. You know, they're supremacists, this stuff. But Christianity's bad. Islam's bad. Other religions are bad. What I would say about that is that Judaism was first. Christianity, Islam, it's half the planet. I don't know if Hinduism or Buddhism or any of these other religions have had close to the type of negative impact that the Abrahamic faiths have had. And also, I see the evils of Christianity just providing cover for Judaism. It's like, oh, instead of Christians or non-Jews condemning the Torah and saying, oh, that covenant's nonsense, enough with your made-up God, no, you were never chosen, no, God didn't give you this land, no, your prophecies aren't real. Instead of saying that, they go, oh, yes, you were chosen, but now we're chosen. (laughs) And yes, we do worship your God, but you're not worshiping him, right? You need to worship Jesus. It's like, LARPing and dressing up and playing Dungeons and Dragons with the rabbis and contributing to the problem instead of exposing it. So Mm -hmm. I see it as providing cover. Also, just we talk all the time about how the evils of Christianity, but it's like that almost overshadows Judaism. So they almost kind of get a pass because Christianity is mirroring their craziness. They're kind of getting a pass for the whole thing. That's kind of what I see playing out. Fair, fair. I I think they should all get their time in the spotlight to answer for their own motivations and their influence on the world. But I've heard you say that the Jewish God is a a fake God. And I'm just curious if you think they're all fake gods, or do you consider there to be any real power in spirits, gods, magic, et cetera, et cetera? Is it all just a LARP and a D&D kind of thing? I think if there was a real God, we wouldn't have to be debating over if he existed or not or we wouldn't have to be relying on supposed prophets or ancient scriptures to tell us what he says and what he wants us to do and who's chosen and who's not chosen and stuff like that. So I haven't heard any really good arguments for any deity, but I'm open to the idea of there being some kind of higher power that we could never comprehend. Mm. So you're basically agnostic. Yeah, agnostic. But when people try to speak for God or tell you what God wants or say that God chose me and you need to listen to what we say and our goal is to convert you to the God that chose us, that's where I say, all right, that's that's the line in the sand for me. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that's all just human ego bullshit. But I think that there is an intelligent design to nature. And if you get into the sacred geometry stuff and consciousness, I'm more in the line that like, God is kind of evident in the structure and fabric of reality, and God might not even be this anthropomorphized single being, but it's more the fabric of consciousness. And I think some of the scriptures get into that when God is in all of us. Well, yeah, I think maybe consciousness is a a fabric that goes through reality, and then that itself is God or the ether. Like there's all these kind of other terms that are more sciencey that I think might actually be more correct. But 
I've definitely sensed a spiritual world and spiritual entities by taking certain compounds. Sure, people could say it's all in your head, but, you know, have the experience and then also tell me that. But I think there's a spirit world and there's some kind of beings out there. So is there a hierarchy on the spiritual side with a God at the head? I don't know. I'm open to it. Do you think that there's any good proof of the stories of the Bible, though, of no, no. angels and spirits coming down? Not really. No, I mean, the fallen angels thing is interesting because it could be how spiritual forces tie into our elite bloodlines. I think that a lot of cultures have a story of a flood, and it's possible that there are rounds of civilization where nature itself, God, wipes the slate clean and tries again. There's a lot of stories about this motif of corrupting the natural order, and I think the elite are very hateful towards nature and towards uh, the reality that we have. So if I could see ourselves in the current narrative drifting towards that, it would be, well, the elite gave this mRNA shot to half the planet, corrupted their DNA. Maybe that causes people to not be able to procreate. Maybe it causes all kinds of problems. But I could see a scenario in which, well, the slate must be wiped clean because you let these people fuck it all up. And now we got to do it again. Uh, I don't know. I think it might be an internal story, but based on the actions of the current elite, I could see them motivated by that kind of thing. It kind of gets into the transhumanist idea that they are hateful of humanity. They don't like nature. They want to subvert it and make us something greater, something different. And in reality, it's, it's fine the way it is. It almost sounds of like a Gnostic view of the world that we live in an evil, fallen world created by the Demiurge, where we're trapped in these like evil bodies or something. My question would be if, and this is what I think in my head, why I think there's not a God, either God is not all powerful or he's not good or he doesn't exist because the world that we can observe, you can see a bunch of reasons to prove like that if a God was all powerful and he was good, he would fix things or he wouldn't he wouldn't create a world where it's so messed up that he has to have a flood and kill everybody you know is he incompetent or does he just want to drown people <laughs> it's kind of the way i see it fair well you know there's the perspective that god created the physical world so he could experience himself subjectively and that game only works if you come into this reality without a memory otherwise there are no consequences to what goes on and the whole world, the physical reality, is just a stage for consciousness, a giant theater play of all sorts of things. So you do need villains. You do need negative things. But if you believe in reincarnation, which, you know, there are a lot of people who come into this reality with memories from a past life. There are people who have near-death experiences that see their loved ones on the other side. There's all kinds of weird stuff that gives us clues that that's what this is. I mean, I was a big Alan Watts fan for many years, but that was kind of the paradigm I took from him is this is a stage play for consciousness. And so there are really no consequences because it's all just energy, vibration, frequency. And we are all God in the sense that we're all conscious and we're all like, I think of God as like a, an octopus with seven billion finger puppets playing with itself. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, earlier it sounded like kind of like you were describing like consciousness is like a hive mind and all of our <laughs> consciousness is just God experiencing himself. But 
also, since you mentioned reincarnation, that's a big in Kabbalah. Kabbalists believe in reincarnation. Actually, it's interesting. They believe that Jesus is the reincarnation of Esau, the evil twin of Jacob, which represents Christianity and Rome and Rome or all Gentiles. And that Jesus is a reincarnation of Esau, who is a reincarnation of Cain, who was bred with Satan and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So that Jesus is basically like satanic. So it's this idea of the evil firstborn son theme in Judaism. Hmm. And then this is Isaac Luria too from, what is it, 15th century. The top like authority on Lurianic Kabbalah, which Chabad Lubavitch believes in. One other thing you said too. Oh yeah, if reincarnation is real, here's my hang up on reincarnation. That would kind of imply that like, because I believe that anytime an organism with a with a brain that has consciousness reproduces it gets a new consciousness and it's not reincarnated from anywhere else and that there's just the number of consciousness is just going on forever you know exponentially life maybe even in other almost definitely in other places of the universe there's consciousness also but the alternative would be that there's a limited finite number of consciousness otherwise you would uh just one dies and it has to come back it's not unlimited there's a finite number and i don't i don't see there being a finite number of souls or or consciousness doesn't make sense to me well that's a fair point there's really no way for us to know on the other side how many times consciousness can be split into itself but there does seem to be several layers of what consciousness is it really isn't one thing there's a a layer of genetic memory that people talk about. There are some things passed down. There is a a sense of self that seems to survive death to an extent based on the feedback we have of people who get very, 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 very close and then come back. But I've even had people suggest that the reason why the population is so great on earth right now is because souls from the other side have chosen to manifest now because now is a very important time in the narrative in the script you could say wow. it's the climax of a story that's amazing and that's the transhumanist agenda that's so amazing that you're saying that number one it's a script this is what i like in the bible too in the prophecies of the bible it's a script that they're following with the objective of having all the fulfilling their prophecies and having a big war and all of the uh, nations worshiping the god of israel but what you just said there sounds exactly like what i've heard rabbis say that that <laughs> all of the souls of the Gentiles that have persecuted the Jews throughout history are going to be reincarnated in the end times so that they could all be destroyed and get their vengeance. Hmm. Well, I just think it's like when you're on the spiritual side, you just think like, oh, this is an interesting time to play a part in the big story. And then you're born without memory because that's the only way it works. I mean, I'm not a scholar of any of this stuff. I'm just piecing what I think are the most interesting parts from a bunch of different people and combining it with my own psychedelic experience and trying to make sense of what happened there. And uh, this is kind of the, the thing that makes sense to me. But I do agree that the elite really want to align with prophecy and move things around to try to make prophecy true. And that's compelling to me. Like to quote from one of your videos, you said Gentiles believing in Jewish prophecy makes Jewish prophecy fulfilled because Jewish prophecy was about getting Gentiles to believe in their God. Right. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because they do, people who have power, try to mirror modern events 
with these old prophecies. I think there was something about Trump moving, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, and they were all up in arms and happy about that. But it's like, if the Jews run everything and Trump was one of their puppets, why didn't he win again? That'd be a question I have. But well, he might just, be back. Where still. do you see a lot of this? A lo- Sorry, where do you see a lot of this uh, old prophecy? manifestation and why do you think they put that energy into it and yes sorry repeat what you said about the trump thing oh they i just said he may be back in it looks to me like he could be back in coming in for retribution that was the trending (laughs) word yesterday that he said in his cpac speech right on but yeah excellent point we've all heard about predictive programming right yes they like to put stuff in movies and kind of to try to as persuasion to condition us to see things or think about things in a certain way to condition our minds to accept a certain thing. This is what prophecy is, in my opinion. It's predictive programming. Number one, the tricks with prophecy. Also, convincing the Gentiles of their prophecy magic is the whole con. It's like convincing that they're special because they can speak for God with their prophecy tricks. Some of them are saying something's a prophecy, but after it already happened, writing the prophecy to be fulfilled after it already occurred, like they did in the Gospels with the destruction of the temple by the Romans. Or they will have a prophecy that's so vague that people can interpret it however they want. Or there'll be a prophecy and then people will know what the prophecy is and work as hard as they can to manifest that in the real world. Like they did, you'll hear Christians say, "Uh, God's real because the Jews went back to Israel and Against all the odds, it was God that brought them back and fulfilled the prophecy. It's like they had been working extremely hard, putting tons of effort towards making that happen. That was them doing it, not a supernatural hand of God fulfilling prophecy. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. Also interesting, you'll hear Christians say that the Old Testament is true because it prophesied Jesus in the New Testament. And then they'll say the New Testament is true because it fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. And really, what's more likely, I want to ask if there's any Christians still watching me, still listening to this, (laughs) what is more likely, the fact that all of these miracles of the Bible actually happened historically and it's all true, or that an ancient myth maker made them all up and read what the prophecies were and then wrote a new story to have a fake fulfillment of those prophecies? The laws of nature aren't violated. We don't have proof of that. And these miracles conveniently don't happen anymore like they used to in the Bible. But we know people lie all the time and people write myths all the time for theological control over people. So what's more likely? And obviously, I'd say it's the latter. Yeah, I agree. It's like a feedback loop. It's really similar to like, let's say we found a text that says Greg and Adam will inherit the earth and swim in a sea of riches and women. But then these 10 things need to happen first. If we had the power To make those 10 things happen, we might be tempted to be like, well, you know, maybe we do need to move the embassy to Jerusalem because it says like maybe some good stuff's going to happen on the other end for us. So there is a weird relationship with prophecy and, and trying to make things manifest. But with the elite, it is also a thing with the New Testament, because the main thing people talk about is the book of Revelations, which was a fourth century addition to the New Testament canon. And that's what people pay the most attention to. Microsoft's patent 666, Luciferes, the mark of the beast. People can't participate in commerce unless they take the mark. Microchips from Bill Gates. You know, that certainly seems to rhyme with today's agendas, the whole book of Revelations stuff, and that's New Testament. Right. Well, they're using that as their blueprint now also. 
Okay, fair enough. I always hear you talking about manifesting the Torah stuff, and it's like, well, if they created the New Testament as just a intellectual cul-de-sac for the Gentiles, well, they're also making that stuff manifest, it seems. No, they're still waiting for end times prophecies. Christians believe end times prophecies in the New Testament too. So I don't differentiate the two. One thing I wanted to add to, you mentioned like the technology in Israel and the tech transfer. This plays in a lot to the end times agenda as well. You know, if you're going to have a mark of the beast, total control grid, the Kabbalists going back to the, at least the 17th century, one of the top Kabbalists, Gaon of Vilna, the genus of Vilna, ties in with Kabbalah. He goes, Kabbalah and technology, that will be the way that they manifest their end times goal from control with their tech superiority and their spiritual superiority from Jerusalem, according to the prophecies. So Christians think, oh, the mark of the beast is coming. That means Jesus is about to return. It means, no, it means that they're about to fulfill their prophecies of dominating the world from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. And what do they say about the East? Because if they're going to destroy the West, I mean, do they even consider China or anything like that? Not in the prophecies. I don't think so. The prophecies don't make any mention of China. There is a push to promote Noahides and Christianity in China. And Chabad Lubavitch has a presence in China also. But no, I don't. I think maybe they'll use China in the Gog and Magog war. But I don't see them talking about China a lot with prophecy significance. Mm-hmm. Well, it does concern me that these books, you know, they talk about a great war, they talk about, you know, apocalypses, and anyone who is a faithful acolyte of any of the three of them, they're kind of cheering on an apocalyptic war. That's obviously not great. (laughs) You don't want them, you don't want those people running the show or having the meetings or running diplomacy. Yeah, the death cult. The uh, Abrahamic end times death cult. These prophecy fanatics are a true threat. My main focus since 2014 on No More News has been like Zionism, which is really, I don't consider Zionism like the modern day support for the state of Israel. I consider Zionism just like Judeo-Christianity. So yeah, the end times prophecies, I think that they want them to happen. So they're working towards them or they're not stopping them. They go, oh, the mark of the beast is coming. That's God's plan. Oh, we're about to be in a nuclear war. I guess Jesus is about to return. Oh, they got the mark of the beast and a political ruler in Israel is rising up with tech supremacy. Oh, I guess that's just like the books predicted. Let it all happen. (laughs) That's not a good attitude to have. Right. Well, if they build a third temple in Jerusalem, I guess I'm getting a bunker somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be a good call. (laughs) But that seems like an easy one. Why not just build a third temple? Oh, the Dome of the Rock is there. They have to move it oh. or have it destroyed. Have God do an earthquake or something. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, they got the Jewish space lasers and the earthquake machines. I wouldn't doubt it. I don't <laughs> want to go Marjorie Taylor Green, but space weapons are a thing, and I can guarantee you Israel has their fingerprints on it at some degree or another. Yeah, right on. Well... Before we fully run out of time, I just wanted to ask you open-endedly if there's any aspect of your work that you find important that we didn't cover, that we should put in the mix, because I don't want to be accused of being, uh, you know, of editing around anything or being like... Um, Quit gatekeeping me, bro. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, let, the gates are open. Walk on through. No, no, no. You had excellent questions. I enjoyed the discussion. I covered a lot of the most important stuff. 
I did only scratch the surface on the idea of Christianity being a deception, though. If people want to find out more about that, I have a playlist on my Odyssey. It's what I sent over to you before for your uh, prep. It's the Christianity Deception Exposed playlist on my Odyssey, No More News on Odyssey. And I go deep into it, and I got a whole lot more material that I've learned recently that I still need to cover as well. So, Yes, and the gist for people who are listening with no context is that you kind of compare the Jewish Orthodox Bible and the King James Version of the Old Testament, and you look line by line at what's different. And that's kind of the the building blocks of making your case, right? I do some of that. I'd say more of the building blocks is I show the, what the Old Testament says, and then I show how the New Testament references that, what the context of that means. Like, I'll show, there's verses like, about the Messiah that like he will rule in the land of thine enemies. And it's like, that's Christians are considered the enemies. And now Jesus is ruling in their lands or that he will make his enemies a footstool, like to rule over us. Or he will bring, Paul even says he will reign over the Gentiles. Like, oh, reign over us. Like that's what the Messiah was meant to do all along. So I kind of show that, but I do show for effect, I'll show an Old Testament verse, and then I'll show what it says in the Orthodox Jewish Bible. And basically, it just says goyim instead of nations. And it just kind of makes it have a little more impact to understand the context of what these verses that Jesus supposedly fulfilled are talking about and how nefarious they are. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yes. Well, if anybody wants to take a look at that, there are hours and hours of content to digest. And I appreciate your perspective, man. We covered a lot of ground that hasn't been covered here in a while. I don't put a lot of emphasis on the holy books and trying to untangle it all, but clearly people in power do care, and it clearly seems like breaking up America or breaking it or having a divorce happen and splitting the country in two, it all seems like things that they want based on a old prophecy and their attachment to it. So it is in the mix of what could occur. So I appreciate you having this focus. I appreciate you. I enjoyed the discussion and I've been a fan of the show for a long time. So it was an honor to finally talk with you. Ah, kind of you to say. And one more time, give people your links. I believe the website is down. You were the first person to make me aware that the website was down. I don't know what's going on with that, but no more news (laughs) is where you can find me. And that's K-N-O-W, like knowledge. I'm on Twitter, BitChute, Odyssey, Gab, Telegram. I've been banned basically everywhere else besides those places. So that's where you can catch up with me. And nomorenews.org is my website. I'll hopefully have it back up and running soon. You're a dangerous man, Adam, but I appreciated talking to you. Thanks for the time. Take care out there, man. Thank you. All right, people. Serving up a spicy meatball today, huh? This is one of those shows where I'm not 100% in alignment with the subject matter, as you can probably tell by how it went. And I'm not saying Adam is wrong about his overall premises. I'm just not sure I think these things are as big a factor as Adam does. And that's fine. And that's not to say the government of Israel and Mossad and certain sectors of power aren't a big deal. But that's not really what Adam was going on about. This was about the religious faithful and what's written in the ancient texts. 
And it's fine that it's not that high on my priority list. I want to save room for everything, basically. But here's what I was thinking when I decided to do this one. First, I've gotten a lot of requests to get Adam on, and I try to honor requests from Plus members specifically because they drive my ability to do what I love doing. Secondly, I like to cover all the themes that permeate conspiracy culture, and this is a big one. And third, you can't really deny that the artificial fulfillment of prophecy is something the elite are engaged in. I guess maybe artificial isn't the right term, but if you have the power to arrange events in accordance with prophecy, then it doesn't seem exactly organic, but they do put their energy into pushing the round pegs into the square holes and hoping that they trigger the aspects of prophecy that maybe are outside of their hands. Usually this is in a Christian context, but since the books are largely the same, it shouldn't be any more controversial to fold in Judaism as well. I know I always try to give guests room to fully explain themselves and make their points, and I certainly had some criticisms with this one, but I still think I have a good bead on where Adam was coming from, and it ended up being a good conversation between two people who ultimately mean well. But let me tell you why it's hard for me to do shows like this, though, and really try to put yourself in my shoes. So one reason I rarely tread this ground is not out of fear or because I have some Jewish handlers. It's really the audience that turns me off from this. Because the ones who are obsessed with this stuff never let it go, and covering it once in a great while is not enough for them. So I'm a shill unless it's all Jewish agenda all the time. And so my reaction to that is then, well, if I can't win with these folks who find this to be important, then why take the heat at all? I just end up wanting to leave it out entirely because it doesn't make me feel good knowing I have several Jewish friends. And really just people who grew up in a faith that they don't jive with, no different than me, they see me post this stuff and it's just an icky feeling sometimes. But here we are. It wasn't easy to post the COVID stuff the last few years either. This is my bed. I'm going to lie in it. Plus, we know the nuances in this can be taken the wrong way and set off some triggers out there. So I risk blowback on a personal and professional level. And then I also fuel a segment of the audience that I don't really want to fuel because it's never enough for them. It's never based enough. Also, I think I put my foot in my mouth plenty with these conversations, so let's add that to the pile. So anyone can see that it causes me headaches in multiple ways, and I also personally don't find it to be the most relevant aspect of our issues today either. Sorry. I'm also not saying it's nothing. So don't get that twisted either. <laughs> but here we are. We had our hearing. Adam made his case. It's in the mix. And I'm open to having any conversation that needs to be had. Clearly, this can be seen as thorny, but I think all religions are fair game for dissection. I tried to make that point maybe too many times. And it's been clear to me for a long time that Catholicism is a sort of corporate capture of real spirituality. It's about donating and cultivating loyalty. It's based off a real foundation, but so twisted as to build an empire on it. Adam has an interesting take that Christianity was a Jewish invention, 
a private faith for us and an artificial faith for the masses, a theological controlled opposition, as he put it. And that's an interesting phrase. I have to say I'm attracted to the idea that it's a fabricated construct. Whether you take Adam's position or Joe Atwill's, I can't say who constructed it, but I do lean towards the New Testament being powerful propaganda of its time and place that still has many people captured today. Kind of like the phrase generals fighting the last war, I think we have a lot of old propaganda that isn't even really being pushed anymore, but it's swirling around in the culture like old fish hooks in the water, and people still fall for this stuff decades and decades later. They want it to still mean something when its purpose has long past been served. An example being the phrase in the Torah, Edom, which is defined as a nation of Latin speakers. Well, that was Rome, and Rome fell. So to me, the text is no longer relevant. But some people are pot committed, and they want it to be relevant in their time, so they expand the definition to the West in general, or the Christians, or America. We'll go ahead and feel special. It makes no never mind to me. I asked a lot about how these religious philosophies and perspectives tie into real power today, and you can decide if Adam's answers were satisfactory. But I see most of the shoehorning in of prophecy to be New Testament, Book of Revelations, Christian apocalypse stuff, and Adam just sees all that as something that can be folded under the Judaism banner. Very well could be. I'm unemotional and unattached to whether it is or isn't. Unraveling the chain of custody of the Holy Scriptures and the motivations of their authors and their authenticity is the kind of stuff that PhDs spend their entire lives debating. And I have to just take a minute to ask myself, how does my approach to life change if Adam is right versus if he is wrong? And I can't find much variance either way. Another thing is I didn't expect to go so far into what is God and what is the real spiritual paradigm that all this is structured on. And honestly, when you have me defending spirituality and the concept of God, we've come to a really strange place. But I see now how the atheist movement that did capture me for many years gave birth to scientism, as predicted by people like Rudolf Steiner, and my rebellious counter-reaction has, funny enough, been to become more spiritual. In 2018, this whole conversation would have been way, way different. <laughs> but I wanted to ask, I was curious, and Adam sees the God as a fake God, and that's relevant to his overall premise. I personally think there are gods and demons and angels and unseen spiritual forces and intelligences in the larger-than-material world. And so I don't see the major religions as worshiping nothing exactly. I see them as worshiping a dark entity. I consider the energy generation to be relevant and the power that wells up to cause a sort of possession that has good people turning a blind eye to really dark actions. Some of the darkest actions a person can perform because they are captured by something real. The death, the torture, the sexual abuse that happens under all three of these Abrahamic banners is real energy captured by something. That's why I think it's such a sticking point every time. Do not worship anything but me. I need it all. <laughs> because there are other beings out there. And this particular one wants all of your energy. 
And it could really be the work of a lower demon who made a spectacular display in the ancient past and started a crazy string of events. It's like how the Archons are said to be mind parasites and the elite are said to be possessed by them because these forces attach themselves to power. They recognize power, they recognize psychopaths, and they consider it, I guess, somewhat of a symbiotic relationship. But UFO cults do happen when people see something paranormal, and it could be something like that that just went way off the rails, and people in power learned how to steer it and put themselves in an even better position, write it all down on some tablets, and the rest is history. <sighs> I'd also say that I don't like the idea that if Adam is making these claims about Christianity and doesn't like Jesus, that he must be a secret Jew. Or if you criticize Judaism and Judaism-fueled motivations in power networks today, then you gotta be an anti-Semite. I mean, it is exhausting, right? Didn't we just go through enough of that with the anti-vaxxer, climate denier, everyone's alt-right bullshit? He can research something because he's interested without having to be of a specific racial background or without having an unhinged racist framework that he's trying to filter everything through, right? I mean, he even made the point that some of his Christian upbringing was traumatizing and still affects him. And maybe that fuels the research. A lot of times these things are personal quests. I would say I'm affected as well, but I think I've processed it and put it behind me and just don't care all that much anymore. But to each their own. I still respect him and I still like him. I started out this year saying I wasn't going to manage guests' views as much or worry if they check every box we want them to check. So many of our guests are in the spectrum from independent to right-leaning, but we recently talked to Brooke Hines, who is of the left, one of the very few guests in a long time that would even claim that ground. And she had a lot of interesting things to say from being in perception control meetings, if you could swallow the fact that she is still in the philosophically left, though I know now a lot of listeners couldn't. We also just talked to Mike Cobb, who offered some options to people who might want to move outside of a collapsing empire. Man, I didn't expect that one to be so disliked, but the negative reaction was not unnoticed. Sure, have criticisms, but if the military-industrial complex of America does start World War III with Russia and or China, do you feel safe in the USA? If we have a few more events like East Palestine, Ohio, do you want to stay in the U.S. because it has a strong dollar? To me, food and water quality and non-toxicity is a huge priority, and I think that Central America outranks where we are now in so many ways. And some people just want to get away from it all, and Central America, I don't think, is a bad option when you can afford home ownership there and can't afford it here. I know every show isn't going to appeal to every person, and I cite these last three because they couldn't be more different, really, and to me, that's a feature, not a bug. I've certainly been told dozens of times this month that so-and-so's membership is on thin ice. Great, fun, I get it. I'm only as good as my last episode. But I can't do my job if I'm worried about people holding their $8 over my head and threatening to leave because they didn't like one or two episodes. 
How about accepting it's a mixed bag, but being here for the ride? How about the momentum of goodwill being worth something? <laughs> Hearing myself, really, I shouldn't be addressing the complaints of dozens to a listening audience of tens of thousands, but we've been all over the map lately, and sometimes people only have a memory that runs two shows deep. You're not supposed to like every single show on Hulu or Netflix, but you make the call based on there being more there for you than not. And let me get off this tangent by just quoting a Reddit commenter on the Higher Side Chat subreddit, Jojo the Monkey 87, who just gave a really great response to a post from someone trying to nail their flat earther friend with a great counterpoint. And to quote Jojo the Monkey 87, he says, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function, which was said by F. Scott Fitzgerald, a quote I've always liked. And he goes on to say, that's the ideology of the higher side chats and should be practiced by every listener because Greg allows contradictory and conflicting beliefs to be heard and acknowledged on a monthly basis. We are in a world where beliefs are projected and proclaimed as strongly as religious faith. <laughs> and let me tell you, faith is unbreakable irregardless of proof or lack of proof. Enjoy your friend's company. Acknowledge his points. Appreciate his passion is as strong as your own. And also, don't forget the historical nuances of this flat or round conversation, because back in the day, you'd be called the crazy one for proclaiming the earth was spherical. Boom. He nailed it. And I have to assume the majority agree with that sentiment or I wouldn't have the success that I've had over the long term. So thanks, Jojo the Monkey 87 for making me feel like some people do get it. And either way, in the second hour today, we covered a lot of good ground. We got Adam's take on Joe Atwell's Caesar's Messiah hypothesis. We talked about that thing where if Jesus isn't real, why do demons respond to his name in these weird occulty situations? We talked about if Hitler was a Christian and or a political Zionist, how Adam processes the Russia-Ukraine conflict through the lens of his work. Adam breaks down his case for Alex Jones being a Zionist shill along with other alt-media figures. We got into the godlessness campaign that led to today's science-obsessed liberals, the Vatican II conspiracy, and the Noahide agenda. Interesting stuff that does deserve to be revisited from time to time, and I know it's of great interest to some and not so much to others, and uh, I guess welcome to life, right? In higher side news, a lot of people have been curious about the numbers when it comes to the eBay outline auction, and I'll be open about it. I sold 126 outlines and 96 didn't get any bids at all. But those 126 outlines sold for a cumulative $8,000 or an average price of $63. To me, that's pretty amazing. 8K is not a small amount of money for signed computer paper. So I really appreciate all the people who participated. So many also included kind words about their love of the show or support for the big move. I actually have a local friend here that just got a $10,000 moving bonus to take a new job in Seattle. So I appreciate you guys basically giving me the same thing. 
It was a fun experiment, and I have several hundred more outlines and might try it again next year or something. How could I not, right? So that's that. And as for the meetup calendar, let's see what's coming up. We have an event in just a couple of days in Harrisburg, Oregon, March 18th. Then one on March 22nd at Arroyo Hondo, New Mexico, March 23rd, Cerro de la Hoya, the Antler Hunt Campout on Pot Mountain. I'm very interested in how that shakes out. Also, March 23rd, the LA Truth Meetup. I wish I could get to another SoCal one before we leave, but I just don't know. March 25th is my birthday. I'm trying to see my friends for one last bash, and then I'm off. But March 26th, Asheville, North Carolina. April 1st, High Springs, Florida. At the High Springs Brewing Company. So check this out. The owners or some employees of High Springs Brewing actually are THC fans. so. They have opened up their own brewery to recurring events, and they actually sent me a gift card. I'm going to try to make my way there, although it is three or four hours from where I'm moving, but I'm interested. And we'll save the rest for later. But I love it. Come make some new friends. I know it's tough if you're in your 30s to widen your network, but I try to make it easier at no real risk or cost. Simply asking any attendee what their favorite THC episodes or guests are should be great guardrails for the awkwardness of meeting new people. <sighs> so that's the show. Sorry for the frustration in this wrap-up. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. But I've been hit pretty hard over the last two episodes. This one's very spicy, so I assume it will happen again from a different contingency in the audience. And a cross-country move with a toddler, two cats that lose bladder control in a moving vehicle, and a pregnant wife is stressful. And what a time for me to have a string of guests that polarize one segment of this audience or another, but say la vie. One day at a time, I am so lucky and thankful to have this job, there really are no words for it. I also have to credit Damn My Eyes for their rendition of the THC intro music, always accepting covers, the more the merrier. His social media links are in the show notes. Thanks to Adam for his time, and if you want to dive deeper into his work, find him on all the right platforms under the banner No More News. Take care of you and yours. I'm getting out of here. Your move, radical rabbis, Yahweh faithfuls, and prophecy-obsessed parasite class. Your fucking sweet dreams to the elite we're calling them out on tac uncovering secrets and conspiracies everybody's looking for something some of them want to use you some of them want to get used by you some of them want to abuse you some of them want to be abused.